Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This episode of Choices Not Chances podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. Located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode. This is Choices Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Sherek. Sitting next to me is Ryan Rogers. Ryan? All right, guys. Uh, today we're going to be talking to Harlan Slim Hardy. Hey, everybody. And... Um, yeah, so this is one of the guys that Matt introduced me to coming down to the uh, Louisiana Gun Shop, our sponsor, and uh, one of the good friends of the company here, and does uh, Sarah coat painting for some of the some of the guns and stuff like that in the shop. So we've hit it off, and we're going to talk to him today about uh, the oil field. Um, Harlan is a senior dynamic position operator with Valeris, which is a drill ship company in the oil industry. And uh, before we get to get to all that, let's. Let's find out how we got there. So, Harlan, you, I mean, take it away, man. Start childhood, parents, uh, siblings, and we'll kind of go from there. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm, my name is Harlan. Everybody everybody calls me Slim. Um, I'm not Slim. Uh, so, um, 1983, baby. Shout out to the 80s. Um, song of that year was, uh, what was it? Um, I'll Be Watching You by the Police or something like that. Mm-hmm. Terribly corny song. Not proud of it. Okay. Other than that, everything was good in 1983. Rubik's Cube was Toy of the Year. Yes, I can solve it. Part of the 5% people that can in the world. Um, so, <laughs> coming up, I'm from a family of seven. Um, I am the third oldest in, in the pecking order, and I am the oldest boy. Um, uh, mom, typical, you know, typical housewife, dad, oil field guy. Um, left the military and went into the oil field to pay off the furniture when they had just moved in the house is the story mm-hmm. I'm told. And he's been paying off furniture for the past well he paid off furniture for about thirty eight years. Um I was working silly little jobs, you know, grocery store, stuff like that. And was able to get in, get in the oil field that way. And 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 so uh sports sports when you were growing up? Um uh, just High school stuff. Yeah, yeah. so football or? A little bit of football, basketball, you know. Um, didn't make a true career of it. I guess I was one of the six foot seven guys who really just didn't <laughs> have all the talent that the rest of the six foot seven guys have, right? Right. Um, still complex, a little bit, not much. Um, but I'll fight you, though. I do box. There we go. Yeah, that's a recreational thing. And do ju- you say jujitsu, too? Very little bit of jujitsu. Mostly okay. uh, boxing was my forte. Awesome. Really enjoyed that. Um, uh, let's see, where was I? Um, but yeah, um, I got in the oil field in 2005. Uh, graduated high school, was working a little odd jobs. Dad was like, "Hey, look, it's a good chance to get in if you wanted to." So I did. Um, started working on a little jackup rig. It was the most manual thing you'll ever see. If you ever watched that show, All Sweat and Rigs, it was almost exactly like that, but worse. Okay, a lot worse. And First day out there, you know, get there. Hey, this is how we do it here. Get out there, get to work. And I mean, just as 
just as redneck and country as it comes, man. It was good times, but it was just like stupid hard work. And first 12 hours was the longest 12 hours I ever worked in my life. Okay. And, and what are you doing at this point? I was just a deckhand, just okay. roused about. Yeah, okay. I was say yeah. roused about. Yeah. That's just like the bitch of the rig right there. <laughs> pretty much you did anything you were told to do. Right. And I mean, I mean, there's some nights you could be mopping all night in the rain, and then some nights you're, you know, picking up pipe and chasing a crane ball all day. I mean, it's chipping and painting on the side of the rig. My, yeah. my first two weeks offshore was, consisted of painting alongside the rig, in a basket by myself, like look down, nothing but ocean. You know, you can see everything that wants to eat you down there, and you're, <laughs> and you're standing there just scraping rust. You know, it was the most. It, it was insane. Like I don't know how I stayed doing it, but um, time progressed. Uh, Worked on that type of rig for about a year, then moved on to the semi-submersibles. Um, made my way up that way. Um, did roughneck work. That was fun. A lot more fun than being aroused about. I don't care what they tell you. Well, for people that don't know what roughneck work is, go into that. Oh, uh, excuse me. The proper term is floorman. You know, roughneck's kind of an old term. You know, uh, you know, tripping pipes, slinging tongs. You know, working on the drill floor, um, all in the mud, the nasty stuff, right? But it was it was a lot more fun than what it sounds because you know everybody. It was kind of like a personal challenge between the crew. So it was, you know, how long you can last moving all the heavy stuff doing it and, and it was it was real competitive so that made it better and what about um so you're saying competitive like inter intramural yeah. competition between teams or something yeah, exactly. while you guys are exactly like if you do if you can do 20 push-ups i can do 50 kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. you know just and did this just follow into the work too oh yeah all day and so that that's something important. That's something we talk about a lot is that competition breeds results, right? Exactly. Even if it's intramural or, exactly. or inter-team uh, competition. And that's something that we did in the Marines all the time is everybody's in a competition at exactly. all times. Exactly, you know. And, uh, and that's important. And even as an employer and as a boss, that's important mm -hmm. to, to <clears throat> facilitate. So. It's, yeah, it's very similar, like, very similar to what you said, like with your team and the Marines and whatnot. Um, if, it's, it's funny because if you had a disagreement, it was going to be a long day. Cause you're working with them regardless. You're right there. Regardless. And you can't get away. <laughs> you're not getting away. You're either gonna deal with it and get over it, or it's just gonna. You just sit there and fume and and, and let it eat you inside that, right? Mm -hmm. And does that happen often? That all way? the time. Like, what would be an example of something you've experienced with somebody like that? Maybe yeah. not yourself, but maybe just something you've seen. Oh my God, it's been so long. Like, all right, like so fights. No, 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 not 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 to that extreme, right? Not, you know, um, I, I'm sure it. None that I've experienced, at least. Right. Um, it's want they've wanted to. I'm sure it's gotten that hot, but usually it's uh, just a heated, you know, few exchange of words that are, you know, not in the English language, and <laughs> you know, just kind of. Fifteen minutes later, hey, we're best friends again. I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you throwing mud at each other or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like let's see, an example. It's been so long. Um, one guy's like a. He's like his hands are cramping up, right? It was like super hot, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't guess it was on deck it was like 166 degrees or something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Louisiana time like that. But <laughs> uh, um, and he's like, oh man, I'm cramping up and this and that, you know. And the first day was fine, you know. Okay, go get some Gatorade, whatever. We'll switch you out, or you know, the driller was cool, the system driller was cool with it and everything. He goes and he sits down. Thirty minutes later, he gets back up, you know. Mm -hmm. And and usually that just doesn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. But um, he gets back up and he comes back out, and it's the same thing. And it's like, yo, you're going to have to carry your weight, you know. Well, it was his 
I want to say it was just like his first week on the rig floor working with us. He's tying off from a new company. Was and by the end of the day, he had he had, did not have a job because he just he, he, just, couldn't, he <laughs> just couldn't cut it, man. And is that a typical thing you see? No, People come out they can't cut it, or you no, I've seen with it? no, I've seen some guys uh, come out eight in the morning, first flight, get out on deck, start working, do a terrible job, put themselves in danger, put others in danger, get on second flight because they're going home. I've yeah. seen that. I've seen that happen once. Okay. One guy got fired the same day he came to the rig. Got like it. he was probably got a four hour check, you know. <laughs> and the only reason he got that is because you know the turnaround for the flights were like two hours apiece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, but uh, you, you said something before you're throwing tongs and slinging mud. Mm-hmm. For the, for, yeah, yeah but for the for the person that doesn't know anything about the oil field, what is that? Uh, well, it's so complex to explain. Uh, All right, so tripping pipe is when they send pipe downhole. Yeah, and you have to do it in sections or joints or stands. Stands is two pipe, two pieces of pipe, usually thirty-one feet long. A stand, I said stand, right? Yeah. All right? So one joint of pipe is 31 feet long. A stand consists of two joints of pipe. Okay. Well, nowadays it's it's four. Well, or yeah. the bigger the rig. I mean, yeah. so work by too, doing so. that, you're on top of the rig sending pipe down. Yeah, we're on the rig floor, and um, it's racked back like it's in, like you said, it's in stands, and it's racked back in the derrick, right? So it's just standing up in the section of the derrick, and they, you know, have heavy equipment to move it and whatnot. Uh, racking arms today they have mm-hmm. that before it was just more of a guy up top hooking into the uh top drive and belly rope and everything it was super manual yeah right? yeah gotcha um but now it's more or less uh automated you know it's just something that literally comes out grabs it brings it over stabs it you spin it up with the iron roughneck you know you're not using tongs anymore right. you mm-hmm. know just all machinery and then it, it trips down holes now, yeah. on like say a workover, which we're not even going to get into, it's a smaller rig than mm-hmm. a drilling rig, which is what he's on. Mm-hmm. It is still manual. You have a guy at the top who's throwing bales, and they're running trans- yeah. they're running tongs or pipe wrenches to make yeah. up. Pipes. A lot of the inland barges are still yeah, like inland that. barges. You know, they're and using the uh, smaller operations basically, and they're not dr- not necessarily drilling. They're they they might be repairing a well, so they don't have to do a whole run. Yeah, do workovers, do completions, right. um, intervention in, in in many different forms. And what does a typical team look like? Like if you're on the ship, you said there's multiple teams that do different things. What is right. that? How's that orchestrated? Okay, so you got it. You know, there's your drilling department, of course. Okay. You know, you have your crane department. You know, um, your crane department. You have uh, you got a crane operator, an assistant crane operator, and an unspecified amount of uh, roustabouts and or deckhands, right? Okay. Rig floor, the same thing. You have. Uh, a driller, an assistant driller. Um, you have a derrickman who's uh, usually working mud pits and stuff like that. Or um, the derrickmen don't this day and age don't are not in the derrick anymore. And you have a unspecified amount of floor hands. Some have uh, two drill crews. You know, if it's a dual automated ship, they'll have two drill crews, two of that. Mm-hmm. And you have your engine department, which consists of uh, the mechanics, uh, assistant mechanics. Um, some call it motorman if they're not, you know, assistant mechanics or whatever. And, of course, you have your electrical department, which consists of uh, electronic technicians, uh, electricians, and possible assistant electricians. Some of in the form of engineers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, the uh, marine crew. Marine crew usually consists of you got captain, chief mate, um, senior DPOs, DPOs, and uh, you also have a bosun who is kind of like the maintenance guy. Mm-hmm. He's over like the uh, maintenance guy. And you have a crew of um, 
ordinary seamen or marine roustabouts, if you will. Okay. And on an unspecified number, it's all give and take. And so, and so, all of those teams make up the crew. And so, what's the crew? Let's say on a drilling ship, like the one you're operating now. Um, now, uh, like we we have it's all of the above, like I just mentioned. Um, the different departments, like no, that. no, I mean like number-wise, how many people are going to be on the ship at a time? Oh, usually somewhere around 140, 150. And you're out for how long at a time? We work 28, 28. Okay, gotcha. yeah. And then is that typical in the field that you come yes, up to because it's all the same boats? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. It's um pretty much all of the drilling contractors out there right now are working 28 and 28. There may be some that are working different, mm-hmm. but the vast majority of the, your larger companies, all the your transoceans, you know. Um, uh, sea drill. All of those guys are working 28, 28. Is twenty eight still the max you can be offshore? No. Yeah, I tell I did forty two. I thought they made a rule. No. No. All right. No, it's it. If they do, it's company specific. It's not um like a um ocean thing or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I've done six weeks. Sure. Hated it. But uh, it was cool. I bet you did. Yeah. Couldn't get a haircut. I like getting my hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> you know. um, yeah, but I got away from that in like two. I did like two years, a little over two years as a roughneck. Okay. Um, and you worked mainly the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I for a year, which is what we just talked about. Yeah. Okay. And then I uh, was a forehand for a little over two years, and then from that I progressed to working on the bridge. Working out as a ballast control operator, stability officer, kind of. So somebody could potentially come in with no experience to this job, learn the ropes, and just climb the ladder. Oh yes, all day, all day. So one place you can go without a college degree and make, you know, a very, very handsome living. Yeah, and they make money. On oh yes. So, so you were talking about ship one, and then ship two. You moved up. You did roughneck and yeah. and deck work on the on the. Also, not to mention, um, I currently work for for Diamond. I worked for Diamond for five years. Diamond was a company. Yeah, right. Diamond Offshore okay. was, was a company. Before. I, I worked for them and uh, then moved to what is now known as Valaris. It used to be Insco. Okay. Okay. It is now known as Valaris. But yeah, I, um, I'm currently with Valaris, what used to be formerly known as Insco, for about 11 years now. And that's where you went after that second ship? Yes. And then you, once you went to that ship, you started working the deck? No, when I went to, all right, so I started with Diamond. Every, all of my career started with Diamond. Mm-hmm. Okay, all of my dirty outside experiences was a little bit Diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, and from 2005 to 2007, mm-hmm. then 2007 I went to, I, I was still with Diamond, moved up to um, what's called ballast control operators, kind okay. of working over in the bridge. And um, I did that for three years. So 2010, hire on with Valaris and transitioned from ballast control operator to DPO to senior DPO. That gotcha. Yeah. And let's talk about that. What is it responsibilities of a senior DPO? Senior DPO is um, basically is your bridge watch officer. You know, okay. um, when you're on the ship, you know, he's kind of the guy you're going to talk to on the radio. When the scheduled and non-scheduled vessels come in, passing agreements, it's usually that guy on the radio saying, "Hey, um, you know, you can enter the 500 meter zone, or um, we're going to pass you with a one mile CPA." That's usually the guy you're going to talk to whenever you radio up to us. Okay, gotcha. And so, from the captain, you're what three down? Um, okay, so it's yeah, it's like uh, there's captain, chief mate, then you have your uh, the senior DPOs. Okay. Senior DPOs, so and so, 
it's a senior DPO is a senior dynamic positioning operator. So yes. you're positioning the ship, yes, both coming I, in I and while you're out, or well, what we do on the no, like 24/7. Once we're set up over a well, station keeping is what we do. You okay. know, we um, the rig is set up and we um, monitor. You know, radar monitor the weather, vessels in the area, all the vessel traffic. You know, um, weather forecast. If there's hurricanes or potential hurricanes, all those things like that that could affect us. We monitor that on a day-to-day basis. Okay, now 24/7. Let me understand this. You're gonna come over the well mm-hmm. with the boat, yeah. and then it's your job to keep the boat in place over the well, regardless of what happens. Yeah, so, at so all that costs. the crew can drill. Yeah, at all costs. Yes, that's okay. um, that's our thing. And there's um, contingencies in place. You know, whenever we have increased wind, seas, current, or squalls in the area, mm-hmm. you know, we're allowed to turn heading. You know, mm-hmm. to to uh, take the uh, to basically face Take the, the waves yeah. a different way. Yeah. yeah, we face, usually stay, um, um, sh- uh, ship forward into it, you know. Excuse me. Check the uh, ship going into the waves. Point yeah. into the waves. Yeah, you point yeah. into it, right. You, you always, um, almost always point into the weather, or you can stern into it, you know, put, okay. your, uh, put your rear into it. Now, where's the rig position on the boat? The, what do you mean? Like the drilling portion. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it all depends. I'm like it's just a structural thing. Usually, it's center of the ship. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So or somewhere very close to it. I think we're actually um, center of the ship, but thirty foot forward. You know, on our particular ship. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, uh, okay. One of the big reasons that I want to talk to you, at least about the roughneck side of things in the oil field industry, is they used to do a program at least for the Marines out of Camp Lejeune, but I'm assuming that it was an Army. I'm assuming it was a Mm service-wide program, and it was Troops to Roughnecks, and it was just a transition piece um, that they started doing at Lejeune. So, like, if guys were transitioning out, say they were, uh, you know, short-time Marines, and they're Mm -hmm. about to get out in six months, they'd have these programs, like, a couple times a year, and they might Mm -hmm. be a three-month-long program, but you go there and you get, like, a down-and-dirty, you know, whatever, three-month program on troops to roughnecks and then they would have job placement for these guys where they'd be mm-hmm. like at the end of this we're going to get you a job opportunity in louisiana or in different texas places or, yeah texas yeah. is another big one yeah that's um that's an interesting program um I, I don't know anyone in particular that has come through that i can tell you i work with a lot and a whole lot of ex-military guys yeah, yeah. some of the coolest guys ever some of them i don't know seem kind of weird of course but all in all they were i, I had good times so with them i have no uh i don't see why they wouldn't yeah, yeah. Um, fit perfectly into a, a cycle like that. And then that's that's what we were talking about uh, just a little bit ago, is that it is, it, mm-hmm. you're going to be work, going from working in squads and teams, platoons, mm-hmm. to working in teams on the mm-hmm. ship. And then you're going to have, inter, you know, intramural competition between mm-hmm. each other. You're going to stack up. And, and, you know, the oil field isn't the most politically correct, yeah. nor is the military in, in, in some way, say. shape, and form. No, so uh, I'm just saying it's a, it's a good fit where you don't have to, uh, have any experience whatsoever, right. and if you are a hard worker, yeah, and you and you saturate the knowledge, you can get there and you can move oh, up, yeah. just like you going from the very bottom to the top in yeah. what ten years? Yeah, yeah. Pretty so much. I don't know about the top, but I'm, I'm I mean, three down is pretty close. You only got two rungs to grab. So yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and they make a great living. I mean, yeah, as far as the pay fun. goes, so um, schedule's good, the money's good. I mean, um, uh, I, I know. Plenty of ex-military guys. I knew one guy who was like some radio genius or whatever. I don't know what he does, what he did in the military. But he's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm telling you, he's, it, it's no radar equipment or nothing like our, just our radar and stuff, like antennas and stuff. He can go 
put his hands on it, and it's like the chief ET is looking at it, scratching his head, and he's like, oh, yeah, this this continuum transfunctioner thing, or whatever. <laughs> I really don't know what he says. But, you know, he goes, oh, yeah, if you do this, and this reverse polarity to that, and do this, and do that, and, and like, lo and behold, it worked out, you know. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so yeah, um, definitely fitment for, for people like that in there, 100%. For sure. All right, so uh, the next thing I want to get into, because I know here at the Louisiana Gun Shop, uh, we have a lot of Cerakoted weapons, and I know that you paint these, so yes. I don't understand how it works. Can you talk about that? Uh, okay. Um, actually, it's a funny story, because I didn't know how it worked either. Okay. And uh, so um, I had met the other Harlan and uh, bought a couple of guns from him and wound up getting a bunch of bunch of rig guys to buy some guns from him, too. Matter of fact, that X-Star over there is what they wanted. And uh, about six of those later... You know, I was like, uh, I said, dude, you need to start kicking me, you know, give me some kickback here. Give me a break and some deals here because, you know, I'm, I'm selling you quite a few guns. Here. And uh, he was like, dude, you know, we got into talking, you know, small talk. And he was mentioning how he had one of his buddies doing Cerakote, but it was, you know, basically costing him a kidney every time. Mm -hmm. So I kind of peeked into it. And I heard of it before from uh, another one of my, my gun buddies. And uh, I said, man, I can give this a swing, you know. I painted and shit in high school, mm. you know, did that stuff. It was kind of, it was kind of my forte. So I said, hey, man, if you want, I can give this Cerakote shit a shot. And if I do pretty good at it, I'll do, I'll start Cerakoting for you. Mm. He's like, all right, cool. So I started looking and I bought a bunch of cheap shit and I started Cerakoting. And um, it was okay. Then I started doing more and more people started wanting stuff, Cerakoting. And uh, got a little bit better at it. So, um, I finally got certified, you know, thank you, COVID. And, uh, I mean, it, it took freaking forever, but I went to, took the course and got certified and then got like pretty damn good at it. Mm. And history was just, is what you see it now. Like, you just got stuff, everything, everybody wants up to Sarah COVID. Oh yeah. And it's not just guns. You know, I did bicycle frames. I did a watchman, you know, um, one of our buddies had a old stripped out, Say go watch, and I was like, let's do it. <laughs> so I put a pattern on it, circled it, it looked really good. No kidding. Yeah. Apple Watch band, the metal ones, did those. Um, did some, uh, did my, uh, a couple of exhaust um, tips, like okay. the diesel, a big eight inch exhaust tip. That turned out really good. Put the Cummins logo on it, it was really nice. Okay. So it's so much more. Than and that's the other thing, you do patterns, so you can do camouflage yeah. patterns, you, yeah. can, you can do just yeah. about anything you want, right? Almost, yeah. You can get very, very creative with it. It's, it's, it's endless with this stuff and they market it beautifully you know because it's not just for guns it's for like I've seen the guy do a sink the, the faucet on the sink you know it's Cerakoted yeah yeah you know so uh, yeah no I, I was telling you before that I had a uh, one, one of my buddies in Carolina he's a duck hunting guy mm -hmm. and uh, he has a brand new uh, Benelli that he Cerakoted Louis Vuitton so the entire gun furniture and everything Cerakoted yeah, Louis Vuitton I absolutely hate the pattern of Louis Vuitton and it's the worst pattern I do not want to Cerakote any Louis Vuitton I Cerakote anything else but I hate <laughs> Louis Vuitton nah. it's one of the worst patterns to work with it's, it's like a million freaking yep you gotta um, put a bunch of vinyl it's, it's just I'm gonna charge you an arm and a leg and a kidney for it because it's it's that hard. Okay, it's Bring that complex. Firstborn when you come to yes. pay for it. <laughs> I want your firstborn son to do to do Louis Vuitton. Know that. But what um, what is the pricing by the way? Like pricing, um, they get super technical with it. It's like uh, I think it's like twelve cents per square inch if you if one of these something like that. So, gotcha. But um, 
I have a base price. So usually ARs and stuff like that. I'm a barrel action shotgun. So like barrel action and um, mag tube is like uh, right at 110 bucks for one color. If you're just doing a solid mm-hmm. color or whatever, it's usually about 110 bucks is what I would charge. Gotcha. Plus tax. And AR platform, um, the entire gun somewhere around the 200 range, whatever. If you want to get into um, patterns and logos and God knows whatever else and more colors, it gets you know it starts to go up, creep up a little bit more in price. Man, I was gonna definitely affordable though. We're gonna show some of your work off uh, in our in the recording with uh, other Harlan. Is some of the guns that are in here. Okay, cool. But um, if uh, you can go into any color, basically, right? They anything under the spectrum of, spectrum of what they make. Um, on their website, they sell quite a bit of colors for uh, like the, uh, the and it's different types of Cerakote, right? There's the cold, like it's uh, basically just air dry, okay. and then there's a, um, a heat uh, okay. a oven oven dry pattern, the oven cure is what it's called, the H series, and there's also Elite Cerakote, which is uh, something different. Has a different, um, it's um, basically the same process. Essentially, it's just uh, different in um, like UV tolerance and things like that. It's all for what you're using it for. And they also have an automotive brand now, and they have the military themselves has their own um, okay. specific colors because it's uh, um, like contracted to them specific. Yes. No, uh, I, I couldn't touch it with a ten foot pole if I wanted to because it's uh, it's like. It's uh, not uh, how do they, how do they put it? It's like a when exposed to like night vision and stuff infrared. like that. It's, yeah, infrared. Oh, it's okay. not um, it's not infrared sensitive, so you can't see it. Basically, it makes it really really hard to see. There's some, uh, and then you can check it out on YouTube. It's pretty cool. Huh. But they won't even let us touch that stuff without a military contract. Uh, what military circuit? What all all of our? I I, I would not know. Okay. I'm sure it's some special forces type thing. Yeah, I know that Marsoc has Cerakoted tan pistols and stuff but uh yeah that's awesome man and I, uh, magazines too you do just about anything right any wood wood polymer metal aluminum any any form of metal um almost any plastic it can be saracoded gotcha. scopes everything gotcha i typically stay away from the higher end scopes because I, I don't i just i haven't done a whole lot of them and I, you just never know right uh, most of them have decent warranty plans of course but who wants to go through that hey um I messed up your thousand um, dollar, you know, Carl Zeiss scope. We're gonna have to send back. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, I you wouldn't want to do that either. You know, so and some people are just sensitive about their glass anyway. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's cool. uh, basically yeah. it. There. What is the advantage of Cerakote over, say, a uh, what's the dip process? Hydro dipping. Oh, uh, hydro dipping. Oh, yeah. Well, and then there's wraps too. Yeah, there's you know, wraps. There's all that. Tape. Cerakote is, uh, okay, so it's not something that I would say is, like, bulletproof. But what it does prevent it against is, like, rust and corrosion is one of the main things. You're running dirty ammunition, you know, which nowadays, right now, everybody's getting, all they have is, what, Tula or, or something, like Bear or something like that. They're getting steel case, um, say non-corrosive, but it's corrosive as shit, right? We all know this. If you go run a thousand rounds of Tula ammo, you know that right. your bolt is not going to look the same. It's, mm. it's just not. You're going to be... You're going to be shoveling cake out of this thing. Well, Cerakote protects against rust, corrosion, um, uh, different type of chemicals, acid, things like that. It's that stable. So once it's on there, it's on there. So 
all right, I got my shotgun and I kind of beat it up and threw it around. Okay, and I got some nicks in it. Okay, well, it's, like I said, it's not bulletproof. But what it is, it's not going to compromise the entire gun. You might have one spot where it made uh, contact with the pavement and uh, pitted or whatever, but everything else is still protected. Mm. Okay, so the bond on it is, um, is it's amazing. Yeah. Okay, um, the wear on it is if it's if it's sprayed on um, right to to spec, it's basically it's essentially forever. Mm-hmm. You know, with normal use. Yeah, I know that a lot of the duck guys out that yeah. are duck hunting on salt water, that's why they cook their stuff, yeah. because those, the salt just absolutely yes. attacks. The and those guys are like, those guys are on the extreme end of uh, when it comes to abuse to their, to their mm, shotgun, big time. right? Big time. And, you know, you got a $1,500 Benelli or something like that out there, you want it protected. Absolutely. You don't want, you don't want to see rust spots on your Benelli. No. Not on the one guy that does. No. And you, what's the environment you work in? The one environment that's going to definitely just absolutely that. decimate. Yeah. You know, so yes, um, Serco does amazing with that. They've um, there's there's so many tests online with this stuff too. Like they literally set these things up, um, set metal pieces up with Cerakote on them, and they constantly sprayed the right amount of salty mist water on it for hours and hours. And I think it was over ten thousand hours before it showed any signs of wear wow. whatsoever. Everything else. Along with that, we're talking Duracoat, we're talking um, just bluing, just bare stainless or whatever, just any any type of coating, a wrap, uh, what you said, um, uh, the uh, hydrogen, all of those things, it rusts. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it just, in the mm-hmm. few hundred hours, it, most of them were definitely well into uh, uh, to noticeably uh, affected. Oh, terribly noticeable. Cerakote, just pretty as can be. Just champ. Just beautiful as can be. Well, so you might pay some money for some Cerakotes, okay. but in the long run, you got a $2,000 Benelli. Yeah. Uh, in some cases, and you spend, is a you spend two, $300 yeah. on it to Cerakote it, yeah. and now you're you're set for virtually for life. What it yeah. sounds like. I don't I mean, know what it costs exactly to go get it, have it done dipped, but I guarantee you it's not going to give you um, the benefits that Cerakote will. Right. It's, if it's not, you know, more, you know, it's very close in price. And if, I mean, I'm going to get my gun dipped with Louis Vuitton. Why not just get the Cerakote Louis Vuitton, not by me though, because I don't like Cerakote. <laughs> Why not just get the Cerakote? Yeah, is what just, you're saying. Yeah, just find a guy Cerakote. Yeah, get a Cerakote. You know, most of the guys that do this stuff, it, it comes with basically a, a year warranty on it, kind of. You know, hey, this thing's if you're not dropping it and beating it up, you know, if it's just starting to wear, you know, bring it back in. Most of these guys will redo it for you for like mm. nothing. Mm. You know, most yeah. of that, I, I don't know about that. I, I, I would. I'm gonna do it for nothing if it's if it's wearing and after I Cerakote it. Look, it's not gonna work, but I'll take care of you, cool. and and it's it's worth it. Mm-hmm. You don't buy a fifteen hundred dollar investment. I'll put it to you like this: you're not gonna go buy a, a Corvette, and oh, I wanna um, you know, you got an eighty thousand dollar Corvette outside, and you're like, you know what? I wanna cut these mufflers off. I wanna cut this off and put straight pipe. You're not gonna go get a, a welder to put two hundred dollar worth of job of pipes on it to make a, the sound you're looking for. You go buy the boiler or the coarse exhaust. That's made for it, mm. and you're gonna put it on right. Mm. Okay. Same thing with your Benelli. Uh, I you couldn't know. agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, one one more thing before we close out. Um, I wanted you to try to go into your family's experiences uh, in the red test. Oh. Okay. All right. So all right. Um, this is a distant relative, right? Um, so my grandfather was a marine. Sure. Like you were a marine, right? And um, his one of his closest friends is was a uh, was drafted into the Red Tails, right? And I knew them both coming up, so we both did, they were both grandpa, okay? 
And um, so he was drafted. This is my grandpa's friend. I'm not my biological grandfather, everybody. And uh, he was uh, he was drafted, you know, um, to serve. So he decides to, well, I don't want to really serve, right? I mean, who does, right? Hey, you going to the army? No, I'm not. It was kind of like that. So he was like, I'm going to work in a shipyard in California, building these ships so I don't have to go serve. Okay, so what does he do? He bags up, tells mom, kisses mom, bye dad, going to be a man, I'm hauling ass, going to work in the shipyard, right? Because I don't want to shoot anybody. So he goes and he works there, and everything's by mail then. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is, you know, it's not like you can get a text message and you're drafted today, right? Lucky for them. So he goes, starts working in the uh, shipyard. He's building ships, he's welding, and, um, they sent him another mail, uh, another letter in the mail saying, "Hey, you've been drafted." Blah blah. blah. And this is like in a three months, three to six months span. So his mom notifies him, "Hey, he's working in the shipyard building ships." Blah blah blah. You know, he's the only son. Whatever. That whole kind of mom doesn't want him to go thing. Sure. And they basically say, "We don't care." You know, we're mm-hmm. gonna send him his mail. We're gonna mail him out. We're gonna summon mm-hmm. him in California. So they summon him in California, but coincidentally, his um. His mom had, been, you know, fabricated this whole thing, and it was, and it was like, uh, "Hey, we need you to come home." Your dad passed away. And he's like, "Wait, what?" You know, so he comes home, and uh, the mail's up there, and he still, you know, he didn't respond to it. And they're like, "Okay," they call back to mom. And they're like, "Hey, look, where's your son at? He's going regardless. Okay, mm-hmm. he's not getting away from this. Huh? Where are we gonna? Where do you want us to send the letter to? You know, send the paperwork to?" And he was like, "Okay, cool. I, I'm here. You know." Now his dad's gone, mom's still there, and he's drafted, right? So he goes into the Tuskegee program. And um, it's basically he learns to fly, does all of that, and uh, goes through the little courses, and he starts flying missions over um, over Germany, you know, um, in these old rebuilt P-40s. You mm-hmm. know, they wasn't right in the, the P-51s, right? So they're in it, and... They're told they're going to war and all of this other stuff, and they're they're kind of not happy but happy, and because they got some purpose now, and um, they're instructed like you like you may have seen in the movie, they're instructed, hey, stay with the bombers, don't do anything else. We we're not making ace pilots out of you, you know. We got enough. We got other folks that's making ace pilots. We need people staying with these bombers. So they were kind of salty about that, but it was actually one of the best things. It was genius, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest of, I mean, the uh, the Germans really didn't know how to take that, so. 29 missions later, not losing a bomber, a single bomber, and they're like glorified. You know, they go from flying these P-40s to getting nice P-51s, and they painted them, and these guys are actively calling for them. I mean, they're getting letters mailed to them, you know, wives are sending, writing cards and drawing pictures and stuff for them, you know, sending to the husband or whatever, hey, thank the Red Tails for us, you know. And this is all the real thing. I'm like, man, it's great. Yeah. You know. So, they made a movie. There's a movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so for the movie, <laughs> funny thing for the movie now. Now, mind you, he's he's an older guy now. The movie came out in I don't know early two thousand, I don't know two thousand six. I don't know when exactly when it came out, but um, so they called him. You know, they they knew he, you know who he was, so they called him and they're like, hey, we're uh we'd like to do an interview with you. You know, talk to you about your experiences in the wars. You can tell us about that. This is a big deal. You know, it's a great honor to talk if, if you let us talk to you. And we're um, we're debuting the movie. Was like eighty something oh, at this point. I don't know how old he's probably hundred years old. Now. No, no, no. When the, the movie oh, yeah. came out, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he no longer can walk. He's a ripe old man. Yeah, he's one hundred percent 
Old fart, right? Yeah. I think there's a certification for that. Yeah. <laughs> he might be past that now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, when you close in on a century, that yeah. yeah, exactly. So comes with some perks. Um, <laughs> so he's uh, there. He's like, okay, cool. I'll talk to you because he's you know very coherent. He's a very talkative person. And um, they come in and like, hey, we also have a movie. They do the interview and they're like, we have a movie we're debuting this weekend. We'd like to come pick you up, and take you to see the movie. Mm. So, but they didn't give him all the details. And he's like, uh, okay, cool. So the limo pulls up to his house and he's like, you know, what's going on here? And he's like, oh no, we're we're um, we're taking you in the limo to go see the movie. So he gets in and he, you know, he's this is his word. He said, I mean, you could tell me shit. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big stuff here today. You know? <laughs> so you get to the movie theater and there's this huge crowd and they're like waiting and he gets out and he's in this wheelchair and it's like this huge standing ovation for him and everything. Now, were there other airmen there? I think there was just like one other guy. So and there, was one just, other guy. there was one other guy that was, and I think I wanna, he wasn't even um, from town. He was like in New Orleans or something okay. like that. But, uh, and, I, and I do believe he's, today is deceased, you know, mm. virus. So, so they go in and they see the movie and, um, his comments on the movie was like, um, outside of the whole um, fall in love with the girl and all of that stuff, it was almost, you know, it was about 99% how it happened. How it happened. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, awesome. That was, uh, and just to hear that story from him is, is just the funniest thing ever, man. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, um, he was the cock of the walk oh, at 80 yeah. something years old, oh, yeah. getting you know, straight royalty you, treatment. You couldn't know. Hey, well deserved, too, though. Yeah, I mean, so. people, it might have t- taken that long for people to really understand the gravity the gravity of what those guys did yeah, and the service yeah. that they provided and the courage and the and mm-hmm. the absolute tenacity that it takes to to do those things and to to, mm-hmm. to remain you know 29 mm-hmm. missions and not lose a bomber that's a yeah. good track record over germany yes right and so and it's funny like he's telling his story it's just the coolest thing because he's telling his story and you can see like he almost comes alive with it because before the conversation was just kind of like me and then when he starts talking about that, it was just like he like was, opened him up yeah. a little bit. I mean, yeah, you're talking was, about arguably the most, some yeah. of the best and most fond memories to, maybe of his life. Yeah, I'm trying to describe it. You ever seen like um, a movie or something, and they got the narrator in the background where they were really cool, like James Earl Jones. And, there you go. And then it's part of the movie. You know, he's talking this way, and he just goes into James Earl Jones mode. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like full-on narration. Yeah, now I'm in a full uh, <laughs> I'm in a full uh, daydream. I'm trying to picture this in my head. And and just and he's narrating the entire thing like James Earl Jones. Would be. <laughs> love it, yeah, I love it. That's fantastic. But um, and, but he's talking. And he's like sincere about everything. You can see a tear in his eye. Mm-hmm. But like he's not like sparking enough for crying or nothing like that. I don't know if it's just I don't know how they do that. Maybe it's just a thing when you're 85. You can yeah, have a tear and not cry. <laughs> You know, he figured it out. Yeah, he's figured it out. <laughs> a lot of tears it took to learn that yeah. learn that yeah. tactic. You know, um, and it's like I don't know. I don't think he suffers from anything. Yeah. You know, yeah, any, yeah. Um, PTSD or nothing like that. But he just talks so fluidly about it, like it was just like you guys were talking. You tell your story. It was just like yesterday. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's it was just one of the it was one of the best one of the best sit downs I've ever had with a senior guy. You know. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And those stories need to be tell, told. I mean, um, we're getting to a point where a lot of our Korean veterans and all, yeah. most of our World War II veterans, yeah. I mean, these guys are 90s, mid-90s, some older, depending on mm-hmm. what age they were when they came yeah, in. And there's not a lot left. Vietnam's getting yeah. up there. Yeah, Vietnam. Yeah. All right. And uh, I see them every now and again. When I see them in the store and they got the little hats on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, or they got the bumper sticker, too. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, I see them like, hey, man, thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. You know, and that's that's important, especially for the Vietnam era. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they didn't get that. 
No. The, no, Vietnam was terrible. The uh, was, the support or lack of support. Thank you, news media. Yeah, the lack of support coming mm-hmm. from from the nation, let's say, mm-hmm. and just the yes. general population is just not not what it should have been. But the the um, Vietnam generation paved the way for mm-hmm. my generation and the last two generations of war fighters mm-hmm. uh, to have a different reception coming home because, uh, by and large, the country mm-hmm. realized that there was a disservice done to these men that yeah. didn't ask to be to Vietnam. You yeah. asked them to be at Vietnam. Absolutely. And if you look at it, it's interesting. Economically, if you look at Vietnam before that and you look at Vietnam after that, mm. amazing. Mm. Like night and day difference. Vietnam is an amazing place. I have yeah. never been to Vietnam. I have. Okay. I work there. Yeah. Off field. Yeah. You know, it's what, like just off their coasts or yeah. Yeah. Okay. you fly to the country and you fly to the rig. You so fly like, into oh, Vietnam yeah. uh like commercial? Oh yeah. How weird is that? Um everybody's like two foot one. I was gonna say No, so no, I mean I mean like, like two feet above you can yeah. see your, your, your gate from yeah. uh, when you get off your plane, you're like, Oh, that's where I'm going. Yeah. But there's a crowd in front of me. I'm just waiting through the sea because I'm so, two feet above everybody else. I mean in the context of like have you ever seen We Were Soldiers once? No, Mel Gibson. We were soldiers about the Seventh Cavalry in the High Drain Valley. No, I haven't. Okay, so I'm gonna have to season myself on that. Yeah, you need to season yourself on that. But I'm just saying, I I grew up watching those Vietnam era films and uh, Apocalypse Now. Now. Oh yeah, man, just Uh, all the greats. And after watching all of that, I see Full Metal Jacket. I feel like I would feel some sort of way about flying okay. commercial into well, um, maybe one Vietnam. Day, maybe one day he's gonna go pop a hole in the middle of uh, Helmut Province Afghanistan. <laughs> you know, boom, we need your oil. Yep. Yeah. No, I doubt that. <laughs> they're uh, they're landlocked too. So. No, yeah. Vietnam is uh, can't take uh, a ship. Fly that boat right up your Helmut River. <laughs> Vietnam's really cool. The guys are really cool. But no, I'm sure they are. And like, it was, um, but well, the and city, like when you see when you fly in and everything, just just the, just what they've evolved to, like. Kind of look like here, you know. It's like sure. man, they got they got great stuff. Most you places know, they that are have like been super in the world right look at Japan. are like here. Yeah, I mean, look at Germany. Yeah, yeah. look at it takes all, a little time. Every it, almost every other war we've been in, you know, every other country that we've been in war with, you know, seem to be like prospering like uh, they're just insanely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, not yeah. not so much Afghanistan. Not so much. Afghanistan. Just read a report that everything that we did there is basically. Been now taken over, and the uh, Taliban are moving in and have a fleet of our old Humvees up armored and uh, a bunch of weaponry. Do you think, so that's, gonna, that's you think stuff like that's going to lead to like a civil war there? I mean, there's always been war there, and I think there will always be war there. But it's not like civil war. It's like the Taliban's the government, mm-hmm. and um, that's okay. They were the government before we invaded the first time, sure. and they, you know, they may have a different scheme of maneuver than we do and a different government and a different way of doing things. They have a different government. That's their government. That's who takes care of them. It's who's been taking care of them. Sure. And so what's um, what the, the issue that I find with uh, with it is, yeah, now you're going to have uh, mm-hmm. a large Sunni population right. that is armed to the teeth. Now they have up armored vehicles. And so like when you put that kind of power or control, that's a huge game changer for, for a population, right? So right. now you're going to have one side of a holy war that is armed to the teeth and has uh, they're all armed but you start throwing up armored vehicles and, mm-hmm. and such that 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 makes for a whole different what about um, um game you said it was like they're sunni right well you got sunnis and shias and they yeah. believe different things and they've yeah. always been at isn't, war because of that yeah isn't um saudi arabia sunni well they all have both yeah there's they're both there, there's both uh you know pretty much in 
everywhere that I've been, there's been a Sunni population and a Shia population. So basically, basically, it would lead to some form of like, if if let's just say a problem. It, it definitely would make for a problem. Well, I mean, that's what's happening no. right now. That's what the fast withdrawal is calling it, causing. Because mm-hmm. it's like they were just, they've been waiting on this for 15, 20 years. And as soon as we yeah. withdraw, they're going to take all the equipment that's there. And, you know. It's creating a vacuum in, in the battle space yeah. where they just come right in. And the same thing. That's the same way ISIS was, yeah, was right. built. You have a vacuum and then they suck it all up. And they're, they're going to continue to grow because they're going to use force and barbarism to do that across their population until somebody else steps in and says, hey, you maybe, can't do this anymore. Maybe we can get the red tails to fly over with the bombers, right? Yeah, yeah I don't think so. Out. It's a different day. <laughs> fly a little out. <laughs> P-51s flying over there with some, uh, some 29 um, bombs. Yeah. They wouldn't know the difference. They probably would. Most of them, you know, well, like, in, at least in the areas that we operated in, they had, like, pictures of helicopters and stuff mm-hmm. getting shot down, but none of them had pictures of fixed wings. I don't even know what a fixed wing is. Like, we'd bring Israeli air right over top of us, 50 feet off the deck, brick sound barrier, sonic boom, just to scare them. And is, like, is Israeli, is Israeli army anywhere in that area, too? I mean, we had, we had, we had Israeli air, NATO. for sure, when we were there, NATO wow. air. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when you have, like, that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize. Like, we're doing the brunt of the mission a lot of times in these countries. But, I mean, we had Brits with NATO. We had British Royal Marines with us. There was French foreign, uh, foreign, Guys uh-huh. over in Afghanistan, yeah, and definitely yeah. in Iraq. When French, I was in Iraq, yeah, um, French affiliate, army affiliates there, really. No, I'm not kidding you. Well, I think I think the French. I think some of the French Navy is in the uh, South China Sea right now. Like a strike group of them. There's like 20 something nations in the South China Sea. I wouldn't doubt that. I wonder how China feels about that. But I mean, there's some Polish guys, and I think they care. We're seeing some Polish guys, and they care a lot whenever we. They care a lot whenever they see those. Um, See those uh, aircraft carriers um, near Taiwan. They care a lot. No, I know that they care that we're there, but I don't think that's going to change their mind. Is what I'm saying. They're on their mission, and they have a mission for their country. And sure. allegedly, it's to take over the sovereign, the sovereign, I guess, state nation state of Taiwan. They're saying that they're still their yeah. sovereign property, and it's like everybody else is trying to. I don't want to say appease because you don't put you know the strike group plus in the South China Sea to appease somebody that's like a you know like a show of force let's say and you're trying to get them to unmoron these boats and take them away and say hey these are free people you you're not, you can't do this it's yeah. not the way things right. work and at the same time china's got their mission and yeah. they're gonna they're gonna do their mission and yeah, like we're consistent yeah yeah and so that's that's why it's such a contentious uh attitude in the south china sea because a bunch of other um bunch of other nations that are with us and with nato and coalition forces saying hey don't Indeed. we don't want to do this we yeah. we don't yeah. You don't want to do this, yeah, I wouldn't but they're going to do what they're going to do. Man. And we have a great military, and I'm not worried about what's not going to come of it. It's you know, it is what it is. But well, that's more than like what the top ten countries put together. Yeah. Well, I think I mean I think the former administration was at least changing that a little bit and getting people to pay up to their two percent or yeah. of their GDP. But uh, with the new new administration, it's like the transparency's kind of gone out. Like it's hard to follow exactly what, what if things are continuing to stay the way they were. Yeah. You know. So, okay. yeah, we deal with COVID right now. Got to deal with COVID. COVID changed the world, man. In a day, like in a, well, in a couple of months at least. Well, it's like overnight, just the just yeah. the idea behind it, you know. Because yeah. I mean, how, how, what talk about that in the oil industry? Oh, it's a nightmare. Like you have all new protocols, all new oh, stuff. God, dude, it's like you got plexiglass glass up. Hey, how was your day going? Oh, it's can't even, good. can't even like yeah. fist bump the boss anymore. Yeah, and it's like, like you ever seen that? Like whenever you pick the phone up mm. to talk, it's like. 
to an inmate or something like that. It's it's come it's that's what it's gonna go through. <laughs> it's gonna go there. We're, we're gonna, gonna be sitting at the dinner each other. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be sitting at the dinner table and there's gonna be a phone there and we're gonna have to pick it up to talk to each other across. And look, we're not saying this making any kind of light. People that are getting sick, the people that are, you know, in emergency. No. We hate that. As a matter of fact, I, I think we all have somebody personally close to us right now that yeah. is diagnosed with yes, some COVID. My wife has COVID, like right now. Right now, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I, I have had it once already. My little brother and my sister-in-law and niece just had it when, uh, you know, like what, three weeks ago, I was up in Ohio for a birthday party. Couldn't end up having it because they all came down with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's not that we're making light of it, but it's interesting to see the political atmosphere change and cut on a dime and it's and it's all driven in my opinion off of the heels of fear and we've talked about this we talked about this in an episode recently that you know the usa patriot act right after 9 11 signed on the heels of fear and and stripped civil liberties from people put authority in people's hands that they don't own that authority Mm -hmm. and um and i'm seeing that with COVID. i've seen it in in the school systems with COVID, that COVID has given them new authority to teachers, principals, and, and, and student nurses. And it's like, hang on, this didn't change yeah. anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not in charge of anybody. You you may have to follow stipulations, and you may have to do these things, and that's fine. But, um, but you are not an authority over me. You don't wave a mandate in my face and say, you know, fuck you. That, that's the, you got to, you should, like, this is still. All right, here's, a, here's how I feel about it. I, I am pro-mask. Okay, I'm pro-social distancing, I'm pro-vaccine, but above all of that, I'm pro-liberty first. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I feel the same way. I am I'm, not an anti-vax. Yeah, I'm pro-liberty first. But I am anti-you forcing me to put something in my arm. Everyone has their reason to do it or not do it. Sure. Okay, everyone. Mm-hmm. And... And, and I listen, I, I understand it. And they're like, oh, you, you're, not, you're not being responsible. You're not... Be-. Listen... If you think about it, we're at risk of every single thing in the world happening to us just walking out our door. Mm. Okay, a mask is not going to save you. It may okay. So a mask works, um, help preventing you give someone else COVID, mm. but it does not. It's not bulletproof, and it does not prevent you from getting shot, getting in a wreck, you know, having a heart it attack. It doesn't stop you. I'm more likely to die. It doesn't only stop you from getting COVID. Mailbox. I'm more likely to die. Going to my mailbox to get the mail out that I am dying from COVID, you know, and I get it. I take it serious. Like I said, I take it serious. You know, I'm not going to go in a place of business and where I can't, you know, where they, hey, you have to wear a mask. You know, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. Mm. Okay. But this whole mandate word is a very dangerous word. Yeah. Okay. And mandate doesn't, it, it's not a law. No. It wasn't, it's no. not. Anyway, it's contentious. It's contentious in every field exactly. to include to include the oil field. Exactly. Uh, we hope that anybody that suffered we're, uh, from losses from COVID, anything like that, look, yeah. we're not making light. But Absolutely. at some point, you got to say, there's been several times that our government alone that we know has yeah. okayed treatments and things like that in different places, and it's sure. turned out catastrophic. Okay? And, I'll, so, and I will even and and I'll, and I'll say mm-hmm. this and, I, and I'll, <clears throat> I'll say this and I keep it short. Funny thing. We talked about uh, we were talking about polio the other day, mm. right? We didn't have an FDA whenever we mm. were dishing out a vaccine for polio. Did you know that mm-hmm. there was no FDA whatsoever? It's just it was some guy. Hey, here's a vaccine. They made a vaccine and they started taking it and it just worked. Okay, now it, the, the polio killed 330 million people. The, basically, the entire population of the U.S. Damn near we have right now died in a 30-year span from polio okay 
vaccine without the FDA was pushed out. Okay, and it worked, and, and it worked. basically eradicated polio. Mm-hmm. So, am I am I and I say that to say this: the FDA wasn't needed then to kill something, to kill a vaccine, uh, uh, to kill a virus that was that took out basically, people. yeah, took out so many people. And I understand now why we have an FDA. We need an FDA, right? Mm. And I don't understand why it would take so long to get approval if it's that serious. I mean, it, it gained emergency approval, right? And it's supposed yeah. to have full approval coming soon. But the, the the issue I have with it is is not vax. Like, I'm not into vax. My sure. kids are vaccinated. I'm sure. vaccinated. I mean, I'm not. And I'm for the science. Like, I'm for it. And it looks like it's good. Yeah. The problem with it is you can't tell me what it does six months post uh, yeah, exactly. Postpartum. Right, can't right. Te- you can't tell me. I've, you I'm can't tell me 18 months from now if I'm going to develop a heart. And I'll agree. With, I'll, I'll agree with that 100. percent right? And and um, hydrochloroquine was a big deal whenever they were talking about. But this is before vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know, doctors were like, hey, this works. This works. This works. You know, it's helping. It's not a prevention. It's 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 helping. So Therapeutic. It's, yeah. It's, it, if you have COVID and you take this, they've seen so much success with it. Yeah. Why would you try and you know why, why would it, why would I be at uh, like uh, my doctor was uh, for example my personal doctor was was being uh, reported for using it and he got reported like six times and and the board were like and it's they, a field tested medication that's yeah, over twenty yeah, years it's old like, it's like sixty years old if I'm not mistaken you can go in Brazil right now I'm working in Brazil also and uh, you can go in like the pharmacy and just say hey I need some hydrochloroquine because you know because the mosquitoes are here and they sell it to you like extra strength Tylenol you know. And here we are. It's not over the counter. They tried to make it over the counter, you know, as a knee jerk, and of mm. course they were getting some pushback. That's why it's not. And it's something that you know it, it's been proven. It was good for the president to take it. Mm-hmm. We, he didn't have the vaccine. He had COVID. It was good enough for him to take it. You know, along with some other stuff to help him. Why is it not good for me? Why is it not good now? Why could why can I can I not take that still, but I can take a vaccine that's under an emergency approval? This has been FDA approved for the use of something else. But it has been approved, and it's been proven to work. Mm. Why can't I just take that? And I think you can. You've yeah. taken it with your personal doctor, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, but, but why does it? But what I'm what I'm alluding to is, he's being reported for using it. He's being reported. You know, to try they're threatening his medical license for that. You know, of course, it's getting kicked out. Yeah, for sure. You know, and this is the, this is coming from people who are watching uh, the wrong station on right. repeat, and yeah. they're and they're talking about. Uh, how bad hydro or what not yeah. hydroxy but hydrochloric yeah they're talking about how bad it is and how much you need a vaccine just turn the TV and, off man yeah just turn the TV off a bit just take a from all yeah. news media just take a purge just take a breather alright I'm going to sit outside hopefully I don't get COVID from just look, like looking at the sun or some shit you know <laughs> and, and that's and, the other thing working out getting in the sun yeah. get your vitamin D up yeah, sure these are all great things sure. that everybody else is preaching yeah. it can, you, know? you know like it lives on COVID someone I understand lives on copper for like you know, like four or five days, right? Or on a copper surface. I don't know what copper, whatever. I don't know who does these tests, but that's that's just what I'm hearing, right? If it's in the sun, <coughs> it dies in hours. Mm. You know, and why are we having an uptick then in the middle of summer? What? Well, because people have to stay at their houses. I really don't know. Uh, it's one of those subjects that we could what if and talk uh, about, and and honestly, I just don't think there's enough information out say, there right now. I would say to um, to the listeners, look, just just be be mindful, okay? You're not you're not stupid, you know. Use your sense, you know. 
take the proper precautions. If you if vaccines for you, cool. If it's not still cool, just be mindful, you know, um, what you're exposing yourself to. Every time you walk out the house, whether you're vaccinated or not, you take the risk of getting COVID. Okay? People that are vaccinated are not bulletproof. They mm-hmm. still get sick and get coughs and, you know, get the fever and the body aches and they're down for days and they still can give it to you. Mm-hmm. So... And the big thing is, like, if you're a younger person with no pre-existing conditions, yeah. this is not going to affect you. But the thing to keep in mind is, could you get it, yeah. be asymptomatic or have light symptoms, mm-hmm. and then give it to somebody who exactly. has pre-existing conditions? Yeah. And grandma, I understand that yeah, worry. Grandma, so. grandpa, all of those people like that, you know, yeah, be mindful of that. Be careful. You know, you know what you need to do. Okay. Yeah. We, we've, we've been dealing with COVID for a little over a year now. We know what the process we need to take and the necessary steps we need to take to continue on with our lives. Do that and just kind of give the news a break sometimes. Yeah, and turn it off, man. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Watch the Weather Channel. Yeah, yeah, that's better. There's hurricanes on TV right now. We got tropical storm. Why and it's more exciting. Sometimes that's not better, but I'll get into Jim Cantori would make a hell of an episode when it comes to hurricane watching. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm, he might be coming down in Louisiana or Alabama sometime. In the I next hope week. he doesn't have COVID. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, I think that's going to wrap it for our episode with Harlan. And uh, we appreciate you coming out, man. We appreciate your gouge on the oil field. And yeah, uh, this was fun. And definitely with your with the red, yeah, man, great, great time, great gouge. So uh, we appreciate you coming out, man. Next time I'll be more prepared. I'll get a haircut, actually. Okay. And I'll come with my better shirt on. All gun control is racist. Remember that. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. There it is, right there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right there. Yep. That's All right. right. All right. So yeah, that was Slim. Slim's left the building. Harlan Slim Hardy. Yep. Of Valeris Oil Drilling Company. Yep. Um. And like I said, I, I, I mentioned it in um. I mentioned it when when Slim was sitting here, but this is a great transition uh, job as far as money, team building, teamwork, and um, and competition goes. Is great. I mean, for I'm saying for Marines because I'm a Marine. I'm not trying to be impartial for any service member uh, that likes that group work, working in team, working in a squad, right. having that intramural competition, doing something with your hands, doing something hard. Right. Um, that's a it's a great piece, and they make great money. So, uh, all you guys out there that are transitioning <clears throat> out, if you feel like you just don't even know where to start, I know that we used to have the Troops to Roughnecks program. If that's not there, I mean, you heard it from the man himself, guys, three down from the captain. See, you need zero experience. And due to COVID, it seems like everybody down here is hiring. Everybody's oh, yeah. needing help. Yeah, everybody's wanting right help. Now. Everybody's working, you know, multiple overtime shifts mandatorily. Now they're making their money. But um, because of the workforce being depleted due to COVID, everybody needs help. So it couldn't almost be a better time to transition uh out of whatever field you're in, whether you're in a, you know, a, a job that you're not happy with uh, in your civilian life, or if you're a service member fixing a transfer, maybe you're a little bit scared. I mean, it's, it's, it's among things that happen with service members upon transfer. They get a little nervous, you know, you spend a lot of time in the range, you got this, uh, or, or in service and you got this, uh, you know, this check showing up every yep. two weeks, like clockwork, your, in, your, yeah. your insurance is taken care of, like no problem. So a lot of guys get intimidated or even worried about getting out because they're like, what am I going to do? Well, this is one of those things that with zero experience and zero formal education outside of high school, you can come right down here and get on one of these boats and uh, and work your way up. I mean, you talk about Harlan coming in at 18, 
you know, joining his first ship, works a couple years, joins the next ship, works a couple years, then he's doing bridge work. And, uh, you know, here 11 years later, he's making a very healthy income, you know, um, driving his ship. So, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the only thing I'll say about that is starting at the bottom, just be, be prepared to put in the work. Absolutely. Just like you did in your military career. Yeah. Like, or, or, you know, if you're not, and if you're not military, um, and maybe you're 18 coming out of high school hearing this and think, oh man, that sounds awesome. Go yeah. out there with some, you know, go do the roughneck thing. Just work hard and, and don't soak up the knowledge. Don't, don't act like you know everything. And don't, uh, uh, don't think you're going to come in and, and, and just go straight into the, the, the bridge work <laughs> in the bridge work. You're going to yeah. have to, you're going to have to grind it out on the floor yeah. or be aroused about, you know, and you and, should, in my opinion. So, you know, like, 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 like in Harlan's situation, I mean, he, he worked from the bottom to the top, right? And now mm-hmm. being at the top, he's done all those jobs that he now has to supervise or watch or maintain for his ship, and he knows why. Right. Uh, and that's oh, a big piece, to know why. why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so uh, all you guys out there transitioning, hey, give it a look, man. Uh, check it out. We're definitely needing help right now. And anybody else that, that is ready to get back into the workforce, we got to get America working again. And there's plenty of jobs out there right now. There's literally no excuse that you can't go out there and market yourself, market your brand, and make your money. Um, and you know, that's a net positive to everybody. Yeah. I mean, in the trades, it's huge right now. Huge. I mean, we can't find a mechanic, you know, to, to save our lives right now. Well, it's everything right yeah. now. I mean, everything is down there. Construction right workers and electricians, plumbers, pipe fitters, welders, everything. Uh, port hands that are yeah. unloading, uh, you know, yeah. unloading cargo. Uh, crazy right now the things that you can't get in stock especially the big items boats tractors things of that nature yeah. uh, simply because there's not enough people working to unload this stuff and then get it on trucks over to the yeah. east coast and I mean like, I'm waiting on a, I was telling you the other day I'm waiting on an electric motor for a man lift right. they told me uh, 30th of July back in stock fastest um, they can get it done now uh, 23 September just so, keeps getting bumped, and I yeah. told you the same thing about a John Deere, yeah. a simple lawn tractor that I was trying to buy, and I've been trying to buy it for three months, but they can't get them in because they can't get them unloaded and shipped over. Yeah. And, and uh, another thing, I told you about uh, my buddy Jay trying to buy a 20-horsepower motor for his boat. We had to travel oh, yeah. all up and down the state and call two to three different states to find anybody that had any kind of thing that we needed because yeah. nobody had motors. And of the boats that they have, none of the boats have motors. So you can go out and buy a Carolina Skiff, but you got to wait six months to get the motor in. Or or longer. That's an unspecified, unsure date. Right. And so, um, you should better get some more then. <laughs> yeah, or just pick a different hobby. Right. Uh, um, did you pick up on it when he was talking about the red tails? What's that? When they were given the mission to guard the bombers, hmm. they gave them purpose. Oh, for sure. I mean, you, you know what, you know what you're like doing. I don't, in my mind I don't right want there. you being an ace. I don't want you coming off a detail to go shoot one down, and I don't care how easy it looks. You stay with those bombers no matter what happens. Tell her yeah. high water. We'll put the aces behind you. Don't worry about it. Your yeah. your job is at that ship. And so, yeah. Um, Task-oriented. Yep, absolutely. So, anyway, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, once again, coming from Harlan's Gun Shop down here, uh, our, first, uh, our first sponsor, and uh, we're going to have at least one more. I think we're going to do, um, we're going to have another episode where we show some guns off yep. and, uh, in the future, uh, probably following this episode. So um, you can see them a little bit in the background. We're going to talk about the, the different builds. we got Beowulfs. we got four, fi- 458. 458. 458. 458. 458. 
Cerakoted weapon up here to show <laughs> off, which is kind of funny. Uh, we got more AR. M14. We got more ARs than a Marine Corps rifle squad right now. <laughs> Loaded up. Half of them on the wall are R's and theirs. <laughs> right. right. So that's good. But um, it's been a blast this weekend, though. So. It's been a good time coming down here. I, I love the fact that I got to get down here and meet the sponsor yep. of the podcast because I know that you've been friends with him for you know next to a decade, but I hadn't met him yet, and he's you know helping us out and. Harlan, uh, down here, Louisiana gun shop, man, we appreciate it. And awesome dude, awesome dude. Um, great prices, uh, beautiful build guns, beautiful Cerakoted weapons, um, and just genuinely a good person. You yeah. know, a good person to know, a good person to be around. So we appreciate that. And uh, yeah. I would and cover Facebook and. Oh yeah, just make sure you guys, uh, all you guys, if you're liking what we're putting out, guys, give us a like on whatever platform you're on, and if you can make your way over to YouTube and, and do us the uh, the favor of uh, subscribing, that way you get to, you, you know, you get a notification, you subscribe, hit that bell, and you'll get a notification every time we release new content. And it's right now new content's coming like every other week, but we're trying to fill our off weeks with uh, uh, little tidbits here and there. So we'll start getting those out to you guys too. And uh, visit the Facebook page at Choices Not uh, Choices Not Chances Facebook, and um, and uh, like the page and check out what we got going on, and soon the uh, uh, check out the rules as well for the annual writing competition. Yeah. Okay. So, go to Amazon, Lines of Marja, Lines of Rogers. Yep, Amazon.com, Lines of Marja, sixteen ninety nine, and you can take a walk uh, down memory lane either through the book or the book has way more detail or the first five episodes of this podcast. If you want to go back and watch those kind of cover those experiences with my, myself, Matt, and then we have another guy that was there with us in the, in the, uh, as a team leader, um, Michael Grimes came on. And so if you like the book, you'll absolutely love those podcasts. It's added material on those podcasts. that's not in the book and then different perspectives that aren't, aren't in the book at all. But, uh, but in general, the book is in far greater detail, um, Pointedly, different detail. Yes, different, different detail for sure. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. So we'll uh, we'll holler at you guys the next time. Thank you. How we doing, everybody? This is the co-host of Choices Not Chances podcast, Matthew Charette. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. Folks at Louisiana Gun Shop have been a longtime supplier of firearms and shooting supplies and services, as well as very good friends of mine. In episode seven of the podcast, we interviewed the owner and founder, Harlan Bottler. At Louisiana Gun Shop, the sky is the limit when it comes to getting the firearms and accessories you want for your current or future firearms. They have a nice selection of handguns, rifles, and shotguns in stock or can order just about any firearm you could want or need. They specialize in concealed carry handguns and custom AR-15 builds. In addition to firearms, they also carry ammo, suppressors, optics, and a wide variety of gun parts for the upgrade and maintenance of your firearm. If you want to get further in the upgrade side of things, they provide customization services such as Cerakote, laser engraving, and Kydex holsters. Louisiana Gun Shop is located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. It used to be Louisiana Gun Shop did not have an online presence, but now I am happy to announce that their website is up and ready for business for online sales to all 50 states at louisianagunshop.com slash pages slash cnc.
Louisiana Gun Shop also offers Louisiana residents concealed carry classes for a very reasonable price. Holland's experience in the concealed carry space when it comes to the laws and the do's and the don'ts is pivotal in attaining your Louisiana concealed carry license. As well as the firearm market, Harlan also conducts explosives training for Louisiana blasters licenses for oil field and special effects workers in Louisiana. Workers in these fields from out of state also need to have this training in order to complete work in Louisiana. So whether you need a firearm, upgrade your old firearm, targets and ammo for a range day, or you just like to talk to people who support the Second Amendment, Louisiana Gun Shop is your place, either in person or online. Remember, they are located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette, or online at louisianagunshop.com slash pages slash CNC. Check the episode description for the link. You can also follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Louisiana Gun Shop. A special thanks to Harlan and Jenny at Louisiana Gun Shop for sponsoring the show. Please support them so they can support us and keep the podcast free for all. Thanks, have a great day, Semper Fi, and God bless America. Not too far. You're marking a building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's funny. Yeah.